This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Welcome to episode 32 of our podcast. Today we're discussing how we as parents, teachers, coaches, counselors can support the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning children and teens in our lives. A quick note, I'll be using the acronym LGBTQ for brevity in the rest of this episode. So I attended a really inspiring workshop facilitated by Dr. Joe Court, and the majority of the information I'm sharing today is from his incredibly well-researched and compassionate presentation. He has more than 20 years' experience serving this population. He's written multiple books on the subject and has a podcast, and his passion for supporting the LGBTQ community comes through in all his work. His newest book, LGBTQ Clients in Therapy, Clinical Issues and Treatment Strategies, is something I recommend clinicians wanting to better support this population read immediately. I'll be linking these resources in our show notes if you'd like to further explore his information or reach out to him. He does consult across the country and internationally. So it's not Pride Month, but we couldn't wait to share this important information, and neither can our LGBTQ children. After I left the workshop, I'll admit I felt pretty angry about what our LGBTQ kids go through, and for many of them, they're left to struggle without the support that all kids need and deserve. When I'm working clinically with children, we talk about the importance of all our feelings, including anger. Anger is an important process. It lets us know something's wrong. Maybe it's abusive or unjust. And if we listen to our anger, we often find it's calling us to act. For me, one of the ways I chose to act was to create this podcast episode. I do hope you're also a little angry after this episode, but we won't leave you there. We'll give you some evidence-based ways to be an ally and put your feelings of support into action. My goal is that we'll finish with a starting point. Clear recommendations for offering support to LGBTQ youth that will benefit their emotional development and mental health, their sense of belonging in our communities, and especially if you're a parent or family member, their relationship with you. To start, I want to paint a picture of the experience of being an LGBTQ youth based on research and statistics with the intention of giving our parenting community a gentle reminder or a strong nudge, whatever you may need, to encourage you to reach out, support, and connect because I believe it's absolutely necessary. They need us. 
So let's look at what LGBTQ children and teens are dealing with, starting with microaggressions. Those of us with privilege can be pretty oblivious to these. They happen in our daily conversations, but unless we're the one being attacked, we tend not to notice. That's what makes these pervasive and vicious. This includes micro-assaults like name-calling and discrimination, micro-insults, which are often subtle or unconscious insults such as a glare or a facial expression of disgust when LGBTQ culture is mentioned, and then micro-invalidation, which negates or nullifies the experience of an LGBTQ individual. I'm not being homophobic. You're just too sensitive. Even if you believe you live in a progressive community, these microaggressions sneak into the everyday, and to experience them every day has harmful effects on mental health. I want to pause here and mention that microaggressions were first identified and studied by psychiatrist and Harvard University professor Chester Pierce in 1970 to describe insults and dismissals which he regularly witnessed non-Black Americans inflicting on African Americans. Microaggressions are experienced by all culturally marginalized groups and individuals. Next is trauma or vicarious trauma. LGBTQ individuals are more likely than non-LGBTQ individuals to be harmed or attacked, so trauma is something these children and teens are likely coping with to some extent. According to the Center for Disease Control's National Youth Risk Survey of LGB students, 34% of this population reported being bullied on school campus, 28% were bullied electronically, 23% experienced sexual dating violence, and 18% experienced physical dating violence. And according to data collected by the Center for American Progress, each episode of LGBTQ victimization, such as physical or verbal harassment or abuse, increases the likelihood of self-harming behaviors by two and a half times on average. But even if an LGBTQ youth has not been personally victimized, this community still reports feeling unsafe. This can be explained by understanding vicarious traumatization, where someone experiences trauma symptoms by witnessing or being exposed to another's trauma. Research shows that even when not directly involved in hate crimes, children and teens see the danger their LGBTQ peers face. And they're reminded they're not safe to be who they are. They're also struggling with internalized homophobia and transphobia. Because they're growing up in our culture, children and teens have internalized our big and small homophobic and transphobic messages. This can express itself as kids bullying other LGBTQ kids, experiencing depression and anxiety, feeling overwhelming shame and preoccupation with a sense they're hurting or letting down their parents or other community leaders. And therapists who specialize in working with this population will often see this as part of the coming out process. And it's most extreme in the early stages of the coming out process. So it's really important for us to monitor this in LGBTQ youth. And they're also experiencing family or community rejection. 
And here are some heartbreaking statistics from the Family Acceptance Project at San Francisco State University. When LGBTQ youth experience rejection from their family, they're eight times more likely to have attempted suicide compared to their peers that experience moderate to low family rejection. They're six times more likely to report high levels of depression, three times more likely to use illegal drugs, and three times more likely to be at high risk for HIV and STIs. 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ, and they're at increased risk of substance abuse, sex work, HIV, and hepatitis. And according to the Center for Disease Control, the suicide rate for lesbian, gay, and bisexual teens is 30%. This is overwhelming information, and so we're not going to just stop here. When LGBTQ youth experience family acceptance, they have increased self-esteem, social support, and an overall better general health status. So now we get to go into the action piece of this episode, our recommendations for how you can put your love for your child into supportive interventions that will make all the difference to them and their physical and mental well-being. Our first recommendation is to practice acceptance. For regular listeners, you've likely caught on. I almost always include this as a recommendation. It's a crucial mindful parenting skill for allowing our child to experience their authentic self in our presence. When we give them this gift, we help them to develop a stable and genuine identity. Sometimes we're accepting emotions we're uncomfortable with, temperament or personality traits that push our buttons, and in this case, a sexual or gender identity we may not have expected. Acceptance allows us to adjust to the reality of what's happening around us and the needs of the people we care about. We don't have to agree with everything about this, and we're allowed our personal feelings. That's where our self-care comes in. But in the moment, we show our child or anyone we care about that we see what they're showing us and we hear what they're telling us. Our next recommendation is to validate your child's feelings and experience. This takes our previous skill of acceptance one step further. As I mentioned, LGBTQ youth and adults frequently have their experience of who they are or how they're treated invalidated. This invalidation can look like parents viewing their identity as a phase that won't last, a family's refusal to acknowledge their romantic partner, or ignoring the issue altogether. Be the person your child knows sees them, not only accepts them, but can give them verbal reassurance that you hear what they're trying to share. If your child or teen comes to you and shares they have hurt feelings about how they were treated at school, know that they feel comfortable doing so because it's likely you've been validating before and they trust you with their feelings. So just listen, be in their corner. This is a literal lifeline for them. And when parents are concerned that their child may be being bullied but isn't telling them, I review this process of validation with them. All of us like to have someone to talk to who validates our experience. So if you want to know what's really going on with your teen, this step is your homework. Number three is be welcoming. Being inclusive towards community members of all walks of life models to your child that they'll always be welcomed by you. 
You don't need to invite the entire town over for a barbecue, but watch how you describe people that are different than yourself. Do you hold them with respect and compassion? This will show your child that even if they're not exactly like you or a norm they see on TV and in popular culture, you're flexible and non-judgmental, and they'll be safe seeking help and guidance from you. Hateful language, homophobia, and transphobia push LGBTQ youth towards isolation, which is dangerous to their mental health. By ensuring your family has a message of welcome and acceptance, you help your child resist the need to seek safety through isolation. Instead, they'll feel connected and included, which will benefit their mental health, physical safety, and the cohesiveness of your family unit. Recommendation four is to become educated and not to make assumptions. Use our mindful parenting skill of being curious. Learn the difference between gender identity and romantic attraction. When they share that a close friend is now requesting to be addressed with the pronouns them and they, it's okay to be confused. But keep in mind your child's testing you to see how you respond to this information. This isn't manipulation. It's survival. They need to know who's safe to turn to, who treats all people with the dignity they deserve. Be open to non-binary ideas and language. This goes with our mindfulness practice of staying away from black and white thinking, in this case, him or her thinking. When children are exposed to these non-binary ideas, they have access to language to explain a deeply personal and nuanced experience. Being able to use our words to express our feelings allows us to better seek help and to cope effectively. At the end of the day, one size fits almost none of us. Take in as much information as you can, but always be curious. Do not assume this is how your child or any LGBTQ individual feels or wants to be addressed. We still need to ask, what does this label you're using mean to you? Five is to follow your child's lead. Don't push your child into naming their LGBTQ identity before they're ready, even if you believe that is who they are. This is a situation where the best intentions can have very damaging effects. By outing someone before they're ready, we not only take away their voice, we make them unsafe in their outer reality and in their inner world. Respect their personal dignity. Allow them time to explore their feelings and make peace with the consequences they will face. Research shows that there's a loss of cultural privilege when coming out. So let them digest what this means for them and give them a chance to gather their inner resources and outer support systems. You can help them replenish their inner resources by being accepting and validating. And by respecting this process, you'll become one of the outer support systems they can count on. Our sixth recommendation is to get your own support. If you're grappling with your own feelings about the LGBTQ community, there is no judgment here, but I encourage you to seek a safe space like your own therapy to process so you can be the supportive parent you want to be. And number seven, our final recommendation is to find an LGBTQ affirmative therapist for your family. If you believe your child or teen could benefit from professional support, find a counselor who will be accepting of your child's authentic self. 
Some counselors will have this information posted on their website or their Psychology Today profile, but if you find someone you think would be a good match for your teen, just ask. Are you an LGBTQ affirmative therapist? Because this is important to our family. These seven recommendations are a starting point, but I encourage you to continue to seek as much helpful information as possible. The CDC has a useful list of resources for LGBTQ youth, which we're linking in our show notes, along with a link to the Trevor Project website. And the Trevor Project provides crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to LGBTQ young people under 25. The Trevor Project has a 24-7 crisis hotline that teens can call or text, and that number is 1-866-488-7386. This number will be linked at the very top of our episode show notes. I hope that after listening to this episode, you feel outraged that so many of our children experience this level of stress and fear but that you also feel inspired to continue your own research and seek out other LGBTQ allies in your community to better serve our kids. If you're the parent of an LGBTQ child, I hope you feel empowered to use our recommendations to connect more deeply with your child and show them you're the support they need to feel safe and accepted. That is our episode. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again, Be gentle with yourself, courageous on your path, and let's help each other try to stay awake.